Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies in moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Next Level Leader Podcast. I am Dr. Joseph Warren Walker III, and I want to thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. So we hope to inspire, encourage, and certainly enlighten you, exposing you to some of the greatest thought leaders and strategies that we believe can help all of us become greater leaders. I'm so thankful for all of you that have been supporting this podcast, and I want to encourage you to not only subscribe, but to share with other people. Make sure you try to share with at least 10 people. We're on a mission to get 100,000 subscribers. We're pushing in that area very closely, and you can help us do it. We're trying to reach the world to birth leaders, man, to show people what it takes to really operate at the next level. And I tell you, you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to be a blessing with someone else. Now, I want you to follow me at Joseph Walker 3 on Instagram. Make sure you communicate with me. Be putting out product and things that we'll be sharing with you that I know will be a tremendous, tremendous blessing for you. So make certain that you do that and uh, it will be a blessing. So that's Joseph Walker 3 on Instagram. And we thank you so much. Today, I want to talk about the seven keys to growing spiritually. You know, as a leader, it's important, I think, for us to understand the importance of spiritual alignment. You know, I have learned over my pastoral leadership that it is critical that we never become stagnant in our spiritual walk, but we understand that every level that God takes us, it requires a different level of devotion and discipline to navigate. It has been said that it can take years to accomplish what you try to accomplish, but, you know, the lack of discipline, the lack of spiritual focus can cause you to lose it literally in 30 seconds. It is important to know as a leader what it means to move in the maturation process as a Christian. There are many leaders I mentor, many who say, I want to grow spiritually. I don't want to become stagnant. What do I do? What are the practical steps? How as a leader can I get to that next level spiritually? What does it take? And so what I want to share clearly and succinctly to you today, and I want you to really take notes on this one, because if you're a person that's really desiring to grow spiritually, there are seven things that I want to suggest that I think are necessary in that regard. I'm going to alliterate these things for you to make it easier to remember. And so uh, the first word I want to give you today is the word conversion. Now, that word is really implicit in the idea of salvation and becoming in a relationship with Jesus Christ to convert, to turn from what was and to turn toward the newness of life. We cannot assume that just because a person joins a church or gets baptized that they've experienced conversion. Conversion is something that happens internally. It is something that happens with a great deal of conviction, that I am convicted of my old self, my old way of thinking, the ethos there, and I have shifted and now I'm turning toward God, moving in this relationship. Now, this is important. One of the key examples of conversion is Acts chapter 9, when the apostle Paul, who was Saul at that time, is on the Damascus road. He is headed to persecute Christians, and the Bible says that a light shone on him and asked him, why are you persecuting me? Which suggests that a part of that conversion is getting a revelation of your old self. Often we are 
sinning or we are missing the move of God, missing what God has for our life out of pure ignorance, Paul says, who am I persecuting? And Jesus says, it is me, because when you are persecuting my kingdom, my children, you're persecuting me. We often don't realize the extent of our offense, who we are hurting by not being in proper alignment with God. And so many scriptures that can show us that, that when we're out of the will of God, that there is collateral damage. And uh, we not only hurt God, but we hurt the people who love us. We find ourselves like Jonah running from God, right? We see Jonah in this situation where he's in a ship and a storm occurs and everybody on the ship with the person out of alignment experiences the same trauma of the storm. So it is important to know that if you're going to grow spiritually, you have to experience real conversion, to be converted, to be changed, to be turned from what was, from certain activities and thoughts and patterns, then turn toward God in a way where your energy and focus and attention is focused on him. Conversion is the first step. And without fat, you'll never really grow. You can fabricate it if you want. You can intuitively attempt to do it, but if it's not of the heart, that's why the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, right? Your heart, because you often go the direction of your heart. If your heart isn't in it, it's not going to happen. So if you're going to grow spiritually, I want you to really focus in on this idea of what does it mean to really be converted, conversion? Which leads to the second thing that I think is equally as important. And when you think about this one, it is a byproduct of conversion because once you've turned from the world and you've turned toward God, now there's a level of commitment. Now, what leaders understand just instinctively is what commitment looks like. You never would have been able to accomplish what you've accomplished in your career or, you know, in school had you not been committed and focused on that. What does it look like now when my level of commitment to the things of God goes to the next level? Part of growing spiritually is understanding what that commitment looks like. That commitment cannot be casual commitment where it's just every now and then based on how I feel. It cannot be coerced commitment where I'm only doing it because someone asked me to do it. It must really be a convictional commitment. It must be the kind of commitment that says, this is where I am in my life. I have established the same disciplines around uh, my own success. Now I've shifted those same disciplines toward my success growing spiritually. So a lot of that commitment, you know, has to be turning my life into a place where I now express that commitment in a variety of ways, right? Where you can tell where my commitment is by the things I do and the things I choose not to do. It speaks volumes of my level of commitment. Commitment is huge and we have to be committed if we are going to grow. You know, when you think about it, when you are spiritually growing in your area of commitment, you grow in areas of commitment in other areas of your life. There are people who are struggling in their relationships, wondering why certain people are not as committed in relationships. I'll tell you why, because if you're not committed vertically in your relationship with God, then it will affect your level of commitment horizontally to people and to things. And I've often found that when a person is sold out, committed to God, every area of their life, they become just as committed and they're not moved or swayed by circumstances, but they are completely committed and anchored. Uh, someone says they're like a tree, right? Planted by the rivers of water, planted, right? That brings forth their fruit in their season, that there's something to be said about commitment. And the third thing that really helps us understand commitment is your ability to commune, right? Right communing. I want you to 
just think about that for a moment. Commune. That means to abide, to, to stay there, to be okay in that place, to not count it robbery, to be in a place in your relationship with God where you're not sitting at home on Friday saying, I have nothing to do, but you can actually be so in the presence of God and communing with God that God becomes enough. One of the tragedies of modern culture is that we have we have so moved God out of the picture that God has no longer become enough for us. We need God and, or we, Jesus and, and you have to come to a place where you commune with him. Let's see what that looks like. There's a powerful scripture in, in John 15 that talks about the true vine. Jesus calls himself, I am the true vine and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I cut off, I, you know, I prune it. Every branch that does bear fruit, I prune it that it may bear more fruit, right? He says that you cannot do anything outside of the vine, right? And this idea of communing, he says, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask anything and it shall be done. This is interesting because it speaks to a level of connectivity to a source greater than myself, the ability to recognize what I have. It's only when the lesser recognizes the greater and recognizes the need they have for the greater that they will really benefit from what that relationship is. If you never accept God as the greater and never diminish or, you know, literally humble yourself in a place where you say, Lord, I cannot live without you and make it without you, then you never will. That's why you got to be careful when you're on a trajectory of success and that you don't get the big head and you become narcissistic and you become, you know, very egotistical, ego, ego, easing God out, right? Because you, you miss out on what it really means to abide, to really stay. You have to ask yourself the question, like when you get converted, you turn from the ways of the world to the ways of God, and then you have a level of commitment. It means that every area of your life horizontally and vertically is committed. Then you get to a place where you start evaluating, how often do I really abide and commune in my relationship with God? Like how often do I, like how often do I really sit up and pray or read his word or listen to messages, right? I go and listen to, you know, Bishop Joseph Walker Mount Zion church, right? <laughs> I mean, how often do I do that? How often do I, you know, am I comfortable in this space with God, just God and I, where I'm just truly okay abiding in him. This is what it means to commune, to, to be under the shadow of the almighty, right? He who abides under the shadow of the almighty. These verses pop up because it's a powerful thing that I am insulated from all of the other things that may be occurring in my life. And in that space in God, uh, the Bible says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy at his right hand. There are pleasures evermore, that there are people who have a particular affect about life, a particular atmosphere about themselves and personal environment that people cannot put their finger on. It is because they have spent time abiding. And the longer you abide, the more you abide, the more it begins to affect your behavior in a positive way. And you begin to see uh, your work and everything else going to another level because you truly spend time with God. If Jesus had to abide with his father and he was God, imagine what it must take for us to really understand the power of abiding. We all can work on that because we're busy and we have all these different things going on. You look at your schedule and say, oh my God, if I'm working this long 12 hour days or what have you and don't have time to spend with the Lord, something is absolutely wrong with that picture. You know, uh, powerful book by Bill Hybels, you know, too busy not to pray that if you are too busy to pray, you are truly, truly, truly too busy. Here's number four, and it is covering. And that means that understanding the power of a spiritual relationship, understanding what it means to, to be in church and to really, you know, have a pastor 
The Bible says in um, Jeremiah 3.15 that I will give you pastors at my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And you have to understand that relationship. How shall they, in Romans 8, how shall they hear unless there is a preacher? How shall they preach lest they are sent? That God strategically sends the right pastor into your life to help you grow spiritually, to help you work through your issues and move to a place of destiny. This is a critical thing to think about because as a leader, cutting edge leader, a person with vision, you've got to be under someone who has vision, someone who has a proven track record. You don't need somebody practicing on you. When you are a leader, man, and you've got things you're trying to do, you have to begin to think about what am I, what am I standing under? I tell people all the time, what you stand under is often what you understand. So you've got to be careful about who's mentoring you spiritually, who's covering you spiritually, because these are the moments in your life that are most critical. How the word that you're getting is that word speaking into your situation and pushing you into what God is having to manifest in your life. Anybody can inspire you or get you excited and shout and say, oh, that was great church. But the fact is you need someone that can nurture you along a spiritual curriculum or like a spiritual diet that can push you uh, into a greater place of destiny. And I think this is what's important, right? Because one of the things that I do as a, as a pastor is that I, I'm keenly aware that as I handle the word of God, I must handle it you know, with, with a great deal of care, uh, particularly in light of the fact that I have been assigned to so many extraordinary leaders and people who are on these amazing paths and and you can't play with it. You can't just, you know, preach just for inspiration. You've got to really dig down deep and say, Lord, what do you want to say to your people in this time? And when God connects you to a pastor or a mentor, it doesn't always have to be a personal relationship. It's just that you're able to really receive and draw down from that person and you're able to grow and you're reading their content, you're following what they're doing. You're like, wow, you know, this is kind of a spiritual example for me and I'm being poured into and challenged and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing things I otherwise would have never seen. This is what it looks like when you truly spend time, uh, you know, in the right covering. And, and let me just throw this out. I think it's important for leaders to know that you have to disengage when you go and you're, you're a leader by right. You have to disengage, I think, from being a leader and just be a follower for a little bit. You know, sometimes as leaders, we go to church and we, you know, we automatically want to, you know, get involved or take the lead on something or we want to, you know, we should, we should do it this way. I'm not saying that your advice doesn't matter. Your expertise doesn't matter or your spiritual gift doesn't matter. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying, however, is that it's okay to be poured into. This is an opportunity for you. After all you pour out, you need to be poured into. And so you have to think critically about who's pouring into you now and make certain that you are being spiritually fed and nurtured toward where God is absolutely taking you. All right. So we've talked about conversion, talked about what that means to shift our energy from one direction to God. We've talked about once you do that, what commitment looks like and how important it is to be committed in a day where there's so much you know, inconsistency around this area of commitment. And our goal is to say, Lord, you're very committed to me. You're consistent. Let me be commitment, committed as well. And then to, to get to a place where I commune, I'm, I'm comfortable spending quality time with God. I'm comfortable staying in this space where I can truly commune in the very presence of God. How powerful is that, right? To just say, Lord, in your presence is where I want to be. And as a leader, making time to do that as a consequence, also being very thoughtful about who will be my covering and to make certain that as I'm being covered, that that word is pushing me toward 
destiny, right? All right, so let's go then uh, to number five, which I think will speak to us now, because when you think about the next thing, it has a lot to do with the people who are in your life, which is your crowd. Now, the scripture says a lot about this. Oh my God, you never will grow spiritual until you get the right people in your life around. It's important to think about that, right? Who is influencing you? Who is pouring in your life? What kind of conversations you're having? The crowd matters. Psalm 1 speaks to us with great intensity. You know, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and doth he meditate day and night? I mean, think about how powerful that is. That is a powerful word, right? That is a huge word. <laughs> blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He takes care, great care in terms of who he or she allows in their life. I think it's so important. The Bible talks about the bad company corrupts good manners or good character. You have to think in this time about your crowd. And as you think about it professionally, when you think about it just on a professional level, when you go up, how your relationships change spiritually, you have to know where to put people in your life. It doesn't mean you're better than them. It doesn't mean that, you know, you disassociate completely with them. It just means that you have to be mindful about the people who are pouring into your life who are constantly feeding the narrative about your future. Because if you have people from your pre-conversion life that are constantly influencing you, they're pulling you back into behaviors and things that you are really trying to get away from. And they could jeopardize everything you've built up simply because you can end up being an accessory to their foolishness. And so it is important now to not have guilt around this. I tell people all the time, you can't have guilt around changing relationships and thinking about the people that you need in your life, people that can help you spiritually. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. I need people in my life that's going to help me grow spiritually. They're going to push me toward the things that God has in my life. And this is what's important. You can't play with this, people of God. This is so important. As a next level leader, I want you to begin to assess, right? Assess, look at the people in your life. Just take the five people, I said all the time, right? You are the sum total of the five people closest to you. Take the five people that you spend the most time with and ask yourself, does this crowd benefit me spiritually? Now, I know they may benefit you in terms of vocationally and work, and that's great. And you have to know where to put them. These are my work, folks. It's work. It's what it is. But in terms of the spiritual component of my life, who in your life is spiritually there encouraging you to pray, encouraging you to be accountable because a part of this is understanding accountability. One of the things that every leader needs is an accountability partner, someone you can pick up the phone and call and don't have to explain what it is. Just say, I just need talk or I need you to pray with me because accountability is so key. And so when you understand that, it really can help you become the next level leader that I believe you are designed to be. Now, number six, all right, this is going to be fun. Number six has a lot to do with what we contribute. What do we contribute, right? I want you to think about that. See, what you give in terms of yourself, in terms of your resources, has a lot to do with how you're growing spiritually. If you want to grow, it'll show up in where you contribute your time, talent, and your treasure. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 21, where a man's heart is, his treasure will be also. That is probably the first measurable, the biggest litmus test of where you're growing spiritually is to discover where you are giving, if you are contributing, if you are volunteering your time, if you are allowing your spiritual gift to function and flow freely, if you are 
giving at a level that you've never given because your commitment and your investment, you know, you can always tell like, am I really growing spiritually by my giving? And I think about it in my, how easy it is I can spend money on clothes or road trips. And then when it comes to the things of God, do I have that funny feeling like, Oh no, I'm not going to give that much. Or, or can you, can you give just as liberally if God put in your spirit you know, give a $10,000 or $20,000 or give a hundred thousand dollars. If that's what you were able to do or give a million dollars. If that's, would you do that? If God said it, or would you say, Oh, Whoa, that's just too much. Like, would you really be a, you know, really philanthropic giving person? If God said, listen, I want you to start this program and kids, I want you to do this or that. I mean, this is what it means when you truly contribute. What are you giving back? What are you doing? Yes, God will bless you. And God doesn't bless us just for us. He doesn't bless us to be reservoirs of selfishness, but he blesses us to be channels of blessings. And so it is going to be critical. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to give of yourself. There is a song that we sing in our ministry called I Give Myself Away That You Can Use Me, right? You can tell where a person's heart is based on where their investments are, where are you spending your time, how you're using your talents, how you're investing your treasure. And I just believe, I'll say it and I'll say it over, I'll scream it. If you're not a tither and you want God to bless you as a leader, it's just not going to work. I'm telling you, when you put God first, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I'm telling you, people of God, I have seen it. I have seen leaders' businesses go to the next level. I have seen people call me with extraordinary testimonies. People have become CEOs, COOs. People have gotten partnerships. People have walked in new houses. People have just had so many things be revealed to them to block shady deals, all because they were tithers. And I'm telling you, when you trust them like that, where you're going, you can't play with that. You have to say, at every single level of my life, I am going to contribute to the kingdom. I am not going to rob God. I am not going to let God bless me to this extent and rob him. If a person makes a million dollars a year and doesn't tithe a hundred thousand and a person makes 30,000 a year and they give 3000, that person that gave the 3000 is given more because they were obedient to the word of God, Right. That's kind of what the widow's might was about. She has given more than any who's here because she gave it from her heart. It was the level of her commitment. It is never the equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And I just found out as a leader, because I contribute, because I give back, I realize that God continues to open doors for me to continue to lead and do more extraordinary things. So, you know, there used to be a song, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. And it is a fact. I love that verse that says, given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. You have to contribute and you have to realize that you have been set up to do as such. The final thing I want to share with you today is uh, the word consistency. You know, this is a big thing, right? Because we start out and so often I see believers who become episodic. I see people who are emotionally tied to a decision to get in a relationship with God and then life happens and and then what happens, they kind of revert back to their old patterns and ways and they become lethargic. They become very apathetic around their relationship with God. And But you got to be consistent. You got to maintain that level of passion. Just like in any relationship, what you do not nurture, it begins to grow stale. I just believe that these seven things that I've shared with you, they really will help you grow. 
And consistency is so important, right? The consistency to say, I need the same energy, the same drive, the same spirit about myself when it comes to my relationship with God. Are you on fire now like you were when you accepted him? Are you reading the word of God like you were when you first became a believer? Are you praying as much as you were like you did back then? These are the kinds of things that leaders have to evaluate. This means that you really are going to have to decide how bad do you want to grow? How much do you want God to do in your life? Because God can only take you as far as your level of discipline and your desire to grow in him really is. I want everything God has for my life, and I know you do too. And I want to spend some time with you because I just believe that here we are and you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're driving, maybe you're sitting at your desk, sitting at home, and maybe you've been saying, I need to grow spiritually. I need to get on a path. Well, these seven things from conversion to commitment, communing, covering your crowd, what you contribute, and your consistency will make all the difference in the world. I hope this has blessed you. It has blessed me to share it with you. And I am so thankful for you being a part. We grow, man. If we put our mind to it and invest in it, you can become an extraordinary leader as you become an even greater Christian. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. No one is. But at least every day I wake up, I'm striving. I'm doing the best I can to grow in this relationship. In him, I live. In him, I move. And in him, I have my being. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I hope if you have any questions or thoughts or comments, let me know. Joseph Walker, the number three on Instagram. I'll be back next week sharing another one with you. But I want to thank you. And this has blessed you. Share it with someone else. Let them know. Hey, you've been talking about growing spiritually. I've got the perfect podcast for you. Let's spread this around so we can all grow as believers of Jesus Christ. Lord knows we need it now. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and yours. I'm Dr. Joseph Juan Walker III, and thank you for tuning in to Next Level Leader Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or whatever podcasts are downloaded. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Joseph Walker 3. I look forward to connecting with you.